0: The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. Do you remember a moment you felt completely free? Author Rebecca Lyons shares her three-year journey of learning to be free from seeking the approval of others.
1: It was this entree to intimacy and beauty that I never walked with him up until that point. Mm. It almost like opened the door wide open to him to begin to say, well, you're right. I'm I'm glad you're finally realizing that. And he's like, I want to begin to show you all the places that I want to set you free.
2: Thank you so much for joining us in life today. I'm Betty and this is James.
3: It really is an honor for you to give us an opportunity to spend time with you. I think that you're going to hear some things today that could prove to be as meaningful as anything you've ever heard. Most everybody, if you really get honest, uh, we carry some weight. Uh, We have challenges or we have areas of uh, recurring defeat in our lives and we don't feel like we're living free. Uh, the greatest man who ever walked on this earth said uh, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. And he says, in fact, he is the truth and uh, that if we abide in him, we will know that truth that sets us free. This book is titled, You Are Free, Be Who You Already Are. This beautiful lady here and mother and uh, wife of uh, gay blinds, Rebecca, has really discovered something about freedom. And we're gonna to talk to her about it. The book, You Are Free. I want you to re- to uh, welcome Rebecca Lyons uh, back to life today. Uh, she's a wonderful guest and we're glad to have you Rebecca. Thank you. Glad Thank to you. have you here. Thank you. you are free, you, you say that as a declaration. How, how do you respond when I say a lot of people that are reading that cover and hearing that, they don't feel like they're free?
1: I understand. That was me. And, you know, I grew up in the church. I was born on Mother's Day. I'm pretty sure I was in church by Wednesday. (laughs) And uh, memorized scripture. I prayed a sinner's prayer at age five. I, I didn't know really fully what I was being saved from, but I did know that I believed that Jesus was the Son of God and that he loved me. And that was enough, you know, at age five, I think you just, you want to do the right thing. And I remember even as a child, meeting God in, in the se- what felt like a secret place where it was almost that childlike faith that Jesus invites us into where we're kind of like, I believe everything that you say that you are and let's do this. And as a kid, you just kind of approach it. And so I remember, um, I would ride my bike at dusk and my mom would call me in and I would linger. I was like the rebel out of all of us. (laughs) And there was something about the wind in my hair and as the sun was going down, I just felt like God's nearness to me. I remember I was on swim team and I'd jump in the pool early at 8 a.m., yeah, all summer long my parents were teachers and they thought hey, here's a great way for you to get up at 8 a.m. All summer long you know <laughs> instead of sleeping in so I'd jump in the pool and I just remember swimming laps and like back and forth and back and forth and it's almost in the silence and in the stillness I felt God's nearness and I felt free as a child and then I would go though I would go to Christian school or to church or I the expectations would all of a sudden start to put pressure to where I would be a, you know, a headstrong type, a control freak. I'm not sure if there's anybody else out there. I'll just speak for myself, but I had a tendency to lean into striving and perfectionism. And so I would in, in church, while it's all well-meaning, I, I wanted to do all the right things, but this vitality or freedom was really only there when it was just me and God. And so I walked this life throughout, um, you know, middle school, high school, I was a chameleon. I could read people a mile away and kind of conform to what was acceptable in each of those environments. And, and then, uh, you know, my firstborn comes, I get married, my firstborn comes along, and, um, and even as a mom, I think, uh, this must be free-ish, you know? <laughs> like, like, free enough. Mm-hmm. And um, I wasn't entering any diaper changing competitions or anything, <laughs> you know, I was just doing doing the, the beautiful work of raising kids and it really wasn't until, honestly, I, I was here a, a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. But right around that time was when I realized how unfree I was. Uh, my first book had come out I was starting to speak and talk about my my journey through panic disorder and anxiety living in New York City and crashing and burning and the Lord rescuing me from that but because be, but once I started to speak on a stage it created this um, bondage in that, uh, like, I didn't enter diaper changing competitions, but I would now all of a sudden compare myself to other speakers or writers and think, like, did they like me? Did I say the right thing? Did I do it correctly? And I um, had to get real honest. And this is how the book begins in the chapter, Free to Confess, where I would run back to my hotel room and I would, like, check social media. Like, did I, you know, did it resonate? and, And I realized, like, Rebecca, everything you're doing right now is not for an audience of one. Mm. And so I watched a talk by my dear friend, Ann Voskamp, in a dark hotel room one like random night in California and I'm eating a cheeseburger and that's when you know you've like sunk to, you know. (laughs) You're like in a dark hotel room watching a scream. And she said, those who keep score in life just want to know that they count. Mm. And when you do what you do for an audience of one, you always know that you count. And I realized right then, and that's why I write Free to Confess, I had to confess to God in that moment I said I am keeping score and for some reason I have lost the freedom the childlike freedom that I had known or grown to love you know from my earliest memories and he's like well you matter to me is that enough and I'm like no it's it's actually not and the confession of that I know was more for me than it was Mm -hmm. for God it was this entree to intimacy and beauty that I'd never walked with him up until that point. Mm. It almost like opened the door wide open to him to begin to say, well, you're right. I'm, I'm glad you're finally realizing that. And he's like, I wanna begin to show you all the places that I wanna set you free. And so it began with the approval of man, you know, like what he showed me even in that season was like, Rebecca, you're, you're operating out of a broken heart and private rejection. And he said, public affection can never heal private rejection. So let's start there. And so I had to confess, like here are all the places that I've compensated for not being enough. And then I scribbled out a freedom prayer in my journal and started to put that out there. And and that began all these places where he showed me like, you're free to grieve. You're free to be weak. You're free to begin again. You're free to wait. You're free to rest. Like it was almost like he opened the door wide to what this communion could look like. The freedom for me came in him just saying, I want you, if you want more of me, there's no limit to what the resources of heaven have to offer you as a daughter. And so that's what this story really turned into. It's just kind of one by one by one, him just gently taking my hand and showing me more of him.
3: Well, you know what I saw the last time you were here and your heart was going through what I saw as a transition time, but your journey there was so rich that I even ask you, just pray for me. I want to be in that, that journey where you are right now, where you're moving forward in that, that longing and that yearning and that seeking to be available. And, uh, and now then, I, I got this book. Rebecca, you have a marvelous, God-given gift. You're not in competition, and you are pointing to Him. And I know that. I see that. Now, you wrote one of the chapters that I just had to read because... Betty and I lost a daughter. That was, it just just makes no sense. Okay, it's our baby girl. Mother of three beautiful children. You wrote a chapter on free to grieve. Where did grief hit you real hard? Because you tell the story of something that happened. Sure.
1: Well, grief hit me early. Um, I was 26, 39 weeks pregnant. I walk into the OB and you know, saying, do you do ultrasounds at the end? And they're like, no and but something was off and they quickly picked up on that and uh, we did an emergency c-section and I learned very quickly that I had a four and a half pound full-term baby boy and it was it had been like failure to thrive and in fact like very life-threatening actually how quickly escalated but they whisk him away I didn't even get to hold him but six hours later the doctor comes in and they say uh we've been checking out your son and we see signs of down syndrome in your baby and so in a moment in one day's time honestly from the start of walking into the doctor's office that morning to 1 a.m. you know so many hours later I thought okay this is life we've gone rogue I don't even know what's going on what God has and um, they sent off geneticist testing and they confirmed it five days later and uh, I tried staying at the hospital. They had to kind of kick me out. You're only allowed to stay about three, three nights with a C-section, but Cade was going to be there until he got up to five pounds. And I'm just like, they're having to drag me away. And so I remember the first morning um, getting in the shower once we were home and I was like, got up early and I'm hurrying to shower so we can get right back down. And the doctor calls. And I know that it's the doctor and I know they're calling with the results. But there's just something in me that's like, no, like it's all like he doesn't have a heart defect. Maybe there's a chance he doesn't have. You know, I was still just kind of reeling from the emotion of that week. And so the doctor calls. Gabe takes the call. I'm in the shower and he opens the door and just looks at me. And in that moment, I knew. And I broke. I just collapsed the floor I don't know how many of you have had like a good shower cry but I've had a few because with toddlers it's like one of the places you can go and hopefully not get interrupted but that that was that moment where I found God even again in the secret place like on my face while the like the tears just like the the water just hit my back and I and I grieved uh, in a way I'd never known And the the best way I describe it in the book is that I grieved in the spirit, that the spirit of God grieved with me and through me. And it was almost felt like a shedding of grief, you know, where you're like your body just kind of like shakes and you can't quite get rid of it fast enough. But what I learned in that moment is that the more I would kind of release the pain, um, that there was a transfer happening and that that Christ was actually absorbing my pain and giving me comfort. And I had never, and since then that's been 16 years, but since then there has been moments in my life where I understood grief in a way that this idea of like, if you grieve, you will be comforted. Like it goes together. And Jesus says that it was like, I, I will comfort you when you hand me your grief and it reminded me of him on the cross, you know Like where he absorbs all our sin and all our shame and all our guilt and all our pain And then he transfers us Transfers that I call it the cross did a switcheroo and we trade it up He like we give him our our, our pain and he gives us comfort we give us our sorrow He gives us joy we give our um, just brokenness. He gives us wholeness and healing. And and to me, grief was a very tangible way physically to even experience that. And there was another time that happened moving to Franklin just a couple years ago. I missed New York. Like I talk about like just God taking us from Manhattan and then bringing us to Nashville. And I wasn't ready for that. And I remember um, the Lord's just very much imparted on me. It's like Rebecca. I was like, "Why are we here? We're in Christianville. There's 25 <laughs> churches on Franklin Road. They don't need more Christians here." And like I was just being stubborn. And I was like, "I want to stay in Manhattan. You know, where like they need Jesus, and this is why we're here. You know." And I had even become a bit of a martyr with my faith. Like you can't be a Christian unless it's really hard. And <laughs> so, anyways, I'm like back, you know, in Christianville in the south. Like, why do we just do like a northern swoop via? In New York from Atlanta and it just didn't make sense to me. And so my doubt was coming out again and God, you know, in his kindness is like, Rebecca, <laughs> I think he's just like, he, and what he said that day was like, you cannot see the unknown until you release the known. Mm-hmm. And it was just again, an example of like, hey, Rebecca, who's at the helm of your life right now? Because <laughs> I think there's a little confusion here. And that was part of the story as just how gracious is he? That even in our frailty and our doubt and our grief and our questions and our fears, he (laughs) just is so kind. He's so kind. He's like, you know what? I think sometimes he grins. Sometimes he probably rolls his eyes. But there's just such kindness to him that that showed me like, Rebecca, I'm going to show you. And in a couple of years, you're going to look back on my hand on on this city that I've brought you to, and you're gonna be, you're gonna marvel at what I've brought you into, and and that's where we are. That's again, we all are in this life, right? We're like, <laughs> he's ahead, he's saying, come, come, follow me, and we're like, okay, I'll do it, and then he shows us, every time.
3: You know what? I hope I hope you're seeing. I hope all of you here in the audience at home, you're seeing this this incredible flow. It's it's uh, God inspiring her to pour her heart out on the pages of the book where you just literally sit down in the situation that you go through and the simplicity of every one of the things she addresses as she goes down, free to be rescued, free to be called, free to confess, free to thirst, free to ask, free to begin again, free to wait, free to rest, free to grieve, free to work, free to celebrate, free to be brave, free to love, and then free to set free. One of the greatest joys for people who've been set free is helping other people get free. And you know, we were able to help Robert Morris get free. You remember yeah. the journey there. And when you think we got over 30,000 people attending Gateway every weekend, and a lot of people found freedom. Robert has led a lot of people into freedom and a lot of preachers into can, it. I
2: can so readily uh, relate <laughs> to what you're talking about, about the freedom, because I went through some of the same, similar circumstances you did with the expectations and putting expectations on myself and letting people put them on me mm-hmm. and feeling like I just had to keep working so hard at this right. that I, too, God showed me that real freedom freedom and free to be me, which is a book I wrote about my story several years ago. That has brought such great joy to me is to Mm -hmm. know that I can be free Mm -hmm. to be the person that God created me to be. Mm -hmm. And he is closer than close. I mean, just if we allow him to be. Yes, absolutely. (laughs)
3: You know, I'm sitting here looking at two just very pretty women. I'm, I'm having a look back and forth on the monitor. I'm looking at you. You're just a year, very young lady, you know, in your early 40s. Betty's in her early 70s. She, she says, why are you always She have,
1: looks like she's in her early 40s. I'm, she does. I'm, she, I'm,
3: I'm looking at both of you, and you just have the radiant glow of God on you. I mean, you really do. I mean, she it's the glory of God. And then you look at me in the middle, so oh. God bless that poor dog. <laughs> <laughs> I just try to get here in the midst of glory. But here, here's the thing. Listen to me. Oh, I, I just... I mean, we, we were with Rebecca before we came out here, and we're just we're just both about weeping over what God wants for you. Mm-hmm. I mean, you you look at me and say, oh, "That's really sweet, honey. You're a pretty little thing. You're doing." I all... I just wish you knew. I just wish you knew how much God loves you. I wish you understood how special you are. I, I wish you knew that you could just dump a whole load on Him, and He'll say, "I can handle it." I don't care how heavy your load is. I don't care how big the hurt is. I don't care how miserable the failure is. I'm bigger. And you let me get in that yoke. And that yoke will be light. I'll brighten your darkest day. I'll lift you up out of the deepest pit, even if you dug it yourself. Okay, you got in it. I'm the way out. Would you just let him lift you up? Would you let love lift you up? I mean, that's what reading the book will do. It'll bless you. I hope you get it. But more than anything, I know Rebecca wants this. Betty wants it. I want it. I know God wants it. He just wants you to let him be who he is in you. Please, right where you are, would you just say, Jesus, hold me, hold me, heal me, free me, forgive me, And, and don't start looking for feelings. You might have one. You might have a wonderful feeling. You might have a sense of a load lightened. But you're not trusting feelings. You're trusting Him, and He's altogether worthy of your trust. Father, I just pray you set people free. In Jesus' name. I know you've been blessed. And I know you're going to be a blessing. Would you say thanks to Rebecca for sharing her story, her journey, for sharing the book. You're speaking in conferences too. If you You have a website where people go and find out where you're going to be. What is the website?
1: It's yourfreebook.com.
3: And they can find where you're going to be. Mm -hmm. Uh, Rebecca, we're giving folks water. You know we help a lot of people. When I say we, I'm talking about all our viewers. Betty and I, we're faithful to give. We're, We're good givers. We're faithful givers. I want you to watch this. I promise you, I promise you, your heart's going to be moved. And let me say this to you. Just like a moment ago, I believe you felt the love of God coming toward you. Well, the love of God's gonna flow through you in a miraculous way, watch. Watch closely.
1: Announcement.
4: We would like to inform that in order to save and use properly the little water that we have, we would like to ask you to not come with more than three buckets the chief
3: responsible of this water
4: It's a list of rules. Rules meant to preserve this the only source of water for the many families living here.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: As desperate a challenge as this scarcity is, it's only where their struggles begin. I <laughs> It's absolutely mind-boggling that anyone could survive long after drinking this disease and parasite-infested water. The sad truth is, many here don't. Most of them, young children. Little bodies, unable to defend themselves against such a contaminated source. With your help, we could drill a well, right here. Abundant, clean, life-giving water. No more thirst and dehydration. No more sickness.
3: We really do have the answer. Betty, I couldn't help but look at the beautiful mothers, those very radiant, beautiful, beautiful moms. Heart's broken. There's a perfect cure. It's clean water. And Betty, I'm thrilled that our viewers will help us. And right now, and I've tried to make it clear we've got a According to the missionaries, think about it. The missionaries find these precious people. The love of God sends them. They see a legitimate need. And they feel like those missionaries, they feel like they can tell us. And they feel like we'll tell you. And we feel like they believe. And we believe. It's in our heart that you want to help. And Betty, our our viewers have proved it. Right now they're telling us we've got 188 areas that are crisis where they've got to have a well. And you gave us last year two drilling rigs. So now we've got 188 places, but we've got to have the resources, the 4,800 for each one of those places. And it's urgent. And then Betty, this is a miracle that, that just we never dream. We can actually give families their own filter system in the areas where we can't get a drilling rig. And they can filter enough water to keep all the contamination that's in their sources from getting to their children and their families. And you can give three families that filter system for $100. Now, did you hear what I said? Three families, we've been telling you for years that $48 will give 10 people water the rest of their life when you put it toward the $4,800 well, because $144 toward that well will give 30 people water the rest of their life. And the well is gonna give 1,000 people clean water the rest of their life. So there's an area where you can help. Betty, these little old filter systems are miraculous. Awesome, (laughs)
2: Awesome. this is, I'm so excited about this possibility of getting these filter systems to these areas where they can't drill water. But as you saw on this video that we just showed you of a place that we can get a drill. We can get a well there, James. They're rationing the water. But they're they rationing the diseased yep. water. It's so, so sad. So it's, it's we need to do this now. We can't wait. They are desperate. They're they're losing their babies because of the, these, these water that they get, James. But then they're losing them too because they don't have any water, period. So please help us get to these places where we can drill the wells and then the places we can't, James, we can get the filter system to them. <laughs> Just a new avenue opened up that can really... bless a lot it's
3: an answer to prayer and you are the great answer to prayer and uh, I've always said if you want your prayers answered be an answer to prayer would you right now go online please would you take that bank card and if you can drill a well I believe you will and some of you can you've been blessed where you can or give toward the well and pray others join you if you can give that $100 for three of those families to have their own filter system do it go online or dial the number there, take your bank card, make the gift God puts on your heart. We've got some special gifts, as you know, just to say thank you because we love you. We want to be a blessing to you as you're a blessing to others. Thank you for making the gift God put on your heart. Thanks for giving them a chance, giving them life.
0: Every day, children living in extreme poverty are forced to make a dreadful choice. Drink filthy, polluted water filled with deadly disease or die from thirst. No child should ever be faced with this decision. Our teams have recently identified 188 remote villages in Southern Africa where children are suffering from contaminated, disease-ridden water. The situation is desperate. They need clean, disease-free water immediately. With your gift today, you can help drill fresh water wells in remote villages across seven African nations. Your gift of $24 will provide clean water for five people. A gift of $48 will provide for 10. $72 provides for 15 people and $144 will help provide fresh disease-free water for 30 people for a lifetime. With your gift, we'll send you Sheila Walsh's devotional, Five Minutes with Jesus, a fresh infusion of joy to help you experience a deeper connection with God. Please consider an additional gift of $100 to help provide three families with water filtration kits in emergency areas where our rigs cannot reach and you may request our no greater name canvas print. Finally, please consider a gift of $1,200 to help provide water for 250 people or a gift of $4,800 to help sponsor a complete well. And you may request our beautiful new hand-painted Determined Eagle bronze sculpture. Please call, write, or make your gift online today.
3: Well, we're gonna send you the beautiful gifts that we mentioned. I know you're gonna love the canvas. I know you're gonna love the five minutes with Jesus by by Sheila uh, Walsh, and uh, I know that uh, beautiful eagle where you're gonna learn to soar on the turbulence of the times, uh, will be an inspiration to you. If you'd like to have Rebecca's book, you're free. I- I'm telling you now, uh, God's gifted her, and she's sharing the gift God's given her with you to be a blessing, and uh, I hope you'll get it. So you help us just give water, and you say, would you mind sending me the book? We'd be happy to send it to you, because we want you to live free. Would you join us in thanks to Rebecca Lyons. (laughs) Rebecca, we love you, you beautiful girl. You You tell Gabe we said hi and we love you. 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 Thank Thank all of you for being with us. Thanks for watching life today. Thanks for sharing life. Thanks for loving others.
0: In his new book, Living Amazed, James Robison shares how divine encounters can change your life. Living Amazed, coming soon to online and retail bookstores. Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.